uh, that I needed to preach. I'll get there eventually. On the idea of possessing the promise. I'm tired. I'm tired of church. I'm tired of religion. I'm tired of sitting on the platform. And talking about how close we are. I'm tired of telling stories about how that we almost had revival. I'm tired of hearing the tales of how it was almost a great day. It's hunting season. I'm tired of telling the stories how I got a great shot but I missed. How I know I hit that deer but it ran away and I couldn't find it. I'm tired of talking about the one that got away. And we do the same thing in the church. We come in and we talk about the great song. We talk about the great sermon. We talk about the great feeling. But we don't walk in victory. We don't celebrate the promise. God did not call us to almost. God did not call us to look at it but not walk in it. God called us to possess the promise. When you possess something, you hold on to it. When you possess something, you grab a hold of it. It's time we possess what God has. When you possess something, it becomes yours. And too many times we have allowed God's blessings to be somebody else's because we won't take hold of them. We won't take hold of them for a lot of reasons. We don't take hold of the promise because if we take hold of the promise, we got to change the present. If we take hold of the promise, we've got to act different. We've got to look different. We've got to change who we are because when God comes in, we must be holy. We don't want to live a holy life. We want to live a comfortable life. To go back to what we were talking about during praise and worship, we want to follow God as long as we can stay in the boat. 
But we don't want to step outside the boat because we don't know what's out there. We don't know how it's going to work. We can't understand. I'm going to tell you something. Peter may have sunk down in the water, but he understood something that no other disciple understood. And that is, if I can keep my eyes on Jesus, I can do the impossible. You don't have to figure out how it works to possess the promise. You just got to figure out how to look to Christ. Mm, I'm preaching, ain't got to the sermon yet. Some of you looking at me like, why is he so fired up today? He wore a suit and tie and he's yelling and screaming. I'm tired. I'm tired of missing it by that much. And I want us to possess it. But we can't possess the promise until we possess some of the issues. We've talked about in this series already a couple weeks ago, we talked about, we talked about the, the process to the promise. And how that we got to go through a process. A couple weeks ago on Sunday night, we talked about possessing the victory over money. We talked about possessing the victory over fear. Today, I want to share one of the sermons in this series. And every time I get to a sermon, I think, oh, this is the key point of the series. And I go, well, no, maybe the next one is. Both sermons today you need to be a part of. This morning, I want to talk about possessing the victory over pride. If there's anything that keeps God's church out of walking in victory, it's pride. It's pride. And, and, and today as I go through this sermon, I'm probably going to take a little different track than you expect. But our pride exalts itself when we start telling God we, we can handle it. When we start telling God that, 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 that I can control this. I, I, I don't need to be submissive. I don't need to, I don't need to, to, to fall under somebody else's direction because I, I, I handle this. And that pride causes us to fall. Won't you open your Bibles with me this morning? Amen. No, November. Numbers chapter 33, verse number 55. Same verse we read last week, or two weeks ago. We'll read through the rest of the series. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes, and thorns in your side, and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you right now, and Lord, I thank you for your power. I thank you for your anointing, and I thank you for your mercy. And Lord, I pray that you would reach down right now and allow us to move past our pride. Allow us to, to hold captive our pride. And allow you to guide our steps 
and direct our path. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Possessing the victory over pride. I'm very concerned when I look around the church. And when I say the church, I mean this church. I mean the church of God, our organization, our denomination. I mean the church of Christ, not the denomination church of Christ. I mean the whole body of the church. I'm very concerned that we've come to a place in the church world that I am more important than he. I'm very concerned that we have created a culture in the modern church. As Craig Groeschel wrote in one of his books, I believe it was Christian Atheist, we have created a culture where we have created God in our image instead of being created in his image. We have come to a place we have come to a place where if you don't like what I have to say you can go down the street and hear it from somebody else. Where we spend more time asking what can you do for me what can the, how can the church serve me? Then we ask, how can I serve the church? When church growth specialists who study how churches grow tell me that the number one key to church growth is not the worship you sing. It's not how powerful the preaching is. It's not even are my kids ministered to in the kids' church. When the number one thing they say you need to pay attention to for church growth is whether or not the ladies' bathroom is clean, we got a problem. Some of you look at me like I got four heads. They tell every pastor in the world, first thing you, you update in a church is a ladies' bathroom. Because the wife usually decides if you stay at a church, and if she goes in that bathroom and it's dirty and it's old and it doesn't look right, they won't often not look past it to come into the house of God. Now, let me, let me just say for the record, should our ladies' bathroom be awesome? Yes, so should our men's bathroom. We've got a long way to go, folks. Folks. They're clean. They're clean. But let me tell you something. Since I've been here, I, I, I've talked about how that we, 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 every time I talk about a new building, I talk about we got to do bathrooms. I understand that's important. And I understand that we're talking about church growth, so we're often talking about people that are not spiritual. 
But I'm going to tell you right now, if we'll get a hold of the old-fashioned power of Jesus Christ, we'll let the old-fashioned wind of the Holy Ghost begin to blow through our lives. We will let God change who we are, and we will look different when we walk outside that door. It won't matter if our bathrooms are old, ugly, or don't even exist. They will be here. It amazes me that people will complain about the bathrooms in a church, but they'll go use porta potties at a football game. It's too cold to get in a car and drive to church, but dear Lord, I'll get up and go sit in a tree stand for four hours. Mm. Preaching where I live. Preaching where I live. We have decided that church is about us. Now let's move from the bathrooms. Let's come into the service. I just don't like those new songs. Last I checked, honey, we ain't singing them to you anyway. Oh, let me let me go there. Well, I don't like those old songs. Last I checked, dude, we ain't singing them to you anyway, dude. <laughs> I called him dude this week, and he about freaked out. <laughs> I, got, I got news for you. We don't sing worship to you. But when people choose their churches over whether or, what they're, whether or not they like the worship, what they're saying is, I don't care who you're singing to, I don't like it. Pastor, you don't understand. I, I, no, I do understand. You're selfish. You got pride. You got pride. I wish the pastor would wear a suit and tie. I would wear a suit and tie every Sunday. But I look so good in a suit and tie, you would never pay attention to the sermon. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Actually, I got to be honest. My wife is like, you need to get rid of that suit. She hates this suit. So, uh, but I got news for you. I don't like the way the preacher tells stories. I don't like that he moves around so much. I don't like that he yells and screams. Hear the common and all the I don't. You know what you're saying? You're saying is, I want church to be my way. I want it to be the way I like it. I want to hear a word I like. You know what Paul says to Timothy? It says in those days, they will bring to themselves teachers that will share what they want and share what their tickling ears want to hear. I got news for you. We have come to a day that we no longer like preachers who tell it straight. We don't want preachers to preach on holiness. We want preachers that tickle our funny bone. We want preachers that tell us that we'll be okay. You know why the I've got a whole sermon to preach. I'll get there in a minute. I checked the clock. I got time. 
We didn't get out till 1245 last week. I got an hour and a half. You know why the Easy Grace movement has had caught such traction in America? Because we get up and we tell people that because of the grace of God, they can do whatever they want to do. You were born that way. No, you wasn't. You have been corrupted by an evil spirit. It's not your... Honestly, I'm trying not to be offensive. But I'm trying to be truthful. I understand that there are emotional and mental sicknesses that make us more prone to some things. And I understand that. But those are brought on by the attacks of the devil. I still serve a God that is stronger than the devil. I'm not belittling anybody or begrading anybody. I understand. I understand the sickness of alcohol. And I understand the sickness of drug addiction. But it is a spiritual ailment. And we have decided that our alcoholism and our drug abuse and our physical abuse and our hatred and our unforgiveness and our bigotry and homosexuality and all of that, none of that's my fault. I was made that way. I just have a disease. Yes, you have a disease. It's called sin. Pastor, are you saying you don't want anybody to have those? No, I want this church full of alcoholics and prostitutes and homosexuals. Why? Because if somebody's got a disease, where do you take them? You take them to the hospital. We can't help them find freedom if we buy into their pride that it's not their fault. We've got to call out the demons for who they are. We will never possess the promise until we possess victory over our pride. Until we defeat me. Until we put down I. We will never hold tight to what God has. You know what keeps this church and every other church from having the revival he wanted? Us. We're, we're, we're the reason. God starts moving. And maybe we got to stay on schedule. Well, God starts moving. Leading worship and you look... I think everybody in church have to lead worship at least once. Because you start leading worship and you look out there. Yep. 
Holy God, to whom all praise is due, I sit in awe. I'm going to tell you right now, there are men, there are men and, our, and women in our society that if they walked in the door, we would have the respect to stand. And we, but pastor, I'm, I don't care. My wife stands for a chunk of worship. And when she begins to worship, she may not stand on the outside, but she's standing on the inside. She's like that little toddler. Dad told him, sit down and be quiet. He finally settled down. His dad said, good. He says, no, Dad, I may be sitting here on the outside, but I'm running on the, out, on the inside. <laughs> There's a difference in sitting on the outside and praising on the inside. But remember, I don't like that song. Do you like the Savior that we're singing it to? See, sometimes... Boy, y'all tell me never wear a suit and tie again. I'm going to tell you right now. There are some Sundays I wonder if you even love God. I wonder why in the world you even came to church. You come out of habit. You come to show off. You come to show everybody who you think you are. You know, those are very prideful things. When we walk into the house of God to worship a mighty God, we don't walk in here prideful saying, oh, I've got it all together, but we should walk in here humble in our heart and humble in our spirit and saying, Lord, thank you for giving me a chance to glorify you. I don't care if I sing to you a hymn. I don't care if I sing to you a new song. I don't care if I sing to you something I know like the back of my hand or if I sing to you something I've never heard before. Lord, I'm going to worship you. I don't care if my body says that I can't can't stand. I may not be able to stand on the outside, but I'm going to run the aisles on the inside. But our pride, our pride, I know I got to get to my sermon. I'll get there in just a second. Oh, but I'm on a war path right now, and I'm just going to play it out for a little while. Pastor, we think we need to go to another church. We're just not getting fed here. The reason you ain't getting fed is because you ain't getting up. You're waiting for somebody to come serve you the meat of God. God says get into the Word of God and dig it out yourself. I'm tired of being a bottle-feeding pastor. I'm tired of spooning out every sermon for you. You got to grab a hold, and you got to drop the pride. Well, I'll go somewhere else. A couple weeks ago, I went back and opened those doors. Help yourself. 
Because until you defeat the pride in your life, you're never going to possess the promise. And it's one thing if you don't let yourself possess the promise, but if you start keeping my church from possessing the promise, I got a problem. All right, let me preach what I was going to preach. That was all free. That doesn't count. Joshua chapter 3, verse 10 says this, And Joshua said, By this shall you know that the living God is among you, that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Havtites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. This morning, we're going to talk about the Perizzites. We're going to talk about them just a little bit. You got to go back in numbers, and, and forgive me, the reference has just jumped out of my head. I believe it's numbers. I, I'll have to look it up for you. But you find the story of the Perizzites and their king. Their king was a giant. The Bible lays out their king, and he talks about the bed that he slept in. I believe it was nine or twelve foot, nine foot wide, twelve foot long, I believe it was, something like that. He was a giant among men. He was of the descendants of Anak. When the spies had went into the land, they saw his descendants, and they came back and said, we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes. But Among his cities, none of them had walls. Because they believed that they didn't need to invest in walls because nobody could defeat their giant. And so as long as their giant stood, they didn't need walls. They became prideful that their giant was able to defeat any enemy. Can I tell you that's the way we live most of the time? We don't build walls of protection because we think that we can handle the onslaught of the enemy. We become prideful to where we think we can handle it. Now, let me, let me explain to you, and I'm going to talk a lot about building walls today, I'm not talking about those walls that wall people out. I'm talking about those walls that wall things in. Those walls of protection. I'm not talking about those walls that shut everybody out that our society is so so apt to build nowadays. I don't want anybody to be a part of my life. I don't want anybody to get close to me. You can't grow with those walls. But I'm telling you, you cannot walk victoriously without walling some things off in your life. Without protecting some things in your life. Because the enemy roars around, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And if we don't protect some things in our life, we will lose track of what God wants to do in our life. 
because we will become attacked. When Moses came up before they ever crossed the, the, the Jordan River, Moses came up against this king. And Moses understood him to be exactly what he was, a bully. He protected by fear. And Moses said, well, I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to fight. We're going to go in. And the battle did not take long because there was only one giant to fight. And once you fought the giant, there were no walls to stop you. There was nothing to keep them from taking the land. Pastor, uh, Pastor, you may be asking, what does this have to do with possessing the promise? You're talking about somebody got defeated. That's what we're supposed to do. I'm telling you that if we're not, if we're not careful, we began to act like those we defeat. We get prideful. I got this. We start depending on our own abilities. Can I tell you the worst part of my life? Worst part of the fact that I've been preaching the gospel for 30 years? Started preaching when I was two. I wish. Worst part of preaching for 30-something years? I can preach. That's the worst part. I can preach. You give me a verse, I'll preach it. Dwayne and Jabe, Dwayne called me. Wednesday night, about five minutes till six. We got some situations. We're not going to make it tonight. Okay. I went into that youth room. I didn't preach an old sermon. I used a scripture we had talked about the week before in the adults. But I put together a whole new sermon. In about 25 minutes. Game to go with it. And I went in and I preached. Praise God, I've got that ability. But I can understand where it becomes easy. I can preach. I can preach. If I start depending on my own ability, when I was in China, my niece, who watches many of our online services, Begin to tell some of the other people in China, Uncle Tommy can preach on anything. He can make anything a sermon. And they're like, no, you couldn't. No, you can't. I'm like, I sort of can. <laughs> and so they begin to test me. What about this? What about that? And I go, well, this and that, that would, that would tie to this verse. And they're like, how in the world? Because I can preach. But if I ever start depending on my own ability, I might be able to preach the sermon, but there would be no fire behind it. Now let's quit talking about me. Let's talk about you. Some of you have been in church for 20 years, 
30 years, 40 years, 50 years. Well, we know how to have church, do you? It depends on what you think church is. See, when we start depending on our own abilities, church becomes what we like. Church becomes what moved 20 years ago. Church. It amazes me that we think church should be exactly the way it was 30 and 40 years ago, but nothing else should be that way. Church needs to look and act and sound just like it did 25 years ago. But dear Lord Jesus, I don't want to drive a 25-year-old car unless it's at a car show as a classic. Church needs to be like it was 50 years ago, except we need to make sure that we add an air conditioner and a heater and padded seats. And There are days, I don't get to sit in them anyway, there are days that I think maybe we should just get rid of the chairs and get some old wooden benches and put back in here. You know those benches every time you move? You know when everybody moves? It almost sounded like people saying amen. Sounded sort of like a donkey, didn't it? Well, that may have proved my point. I don't know. We, we get caught up that we know how to do church. It's not an old folks deal. Young people do the same thing. We know how to have church. It needs to look like Gateway. It needs to look like IHOP. It needs to look like uh, whatever that one is at Stephen Furtick Pastors. Elevation. I got news for you. I mean, I, I've got the physique of Stephen Furtick, so. I, I, I'm going to tell you something. You think that's not true? You look around, you see who the biggest names in ministry are, and then you start walking around churches and find out if you don't find pastors that are dressed just like them. Everything from I can take you to churches where every Sunday the pastor's going to look just like John Hagee. Or Jimmy Swaggart. Then I can take you to a church where they're going to look like Stephen Furtick or Craig Groeschel. I got news for you. I've wasted my time trying to be other people. I'm going to be me. Quit saying you know how to have church. Quit depending on your own abilities and start saying, God, be in us what you want to be in us. Be in us who you want to be in us. When we begin to depend on our own abilities, we're destined for failure. The verse that I read to the kids this morning said, pride comes before destruction. When we begin to think that we can hold it, that we can take care of it, destruction is at our heels. But we are created in his image as triune beings. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He created us body, mind, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. And we need to learn that we have got to protect our creation. 
There are things that we need to do to build some walls. Again, I'm not talking about closing out walls. I'm talking about walls that protect us, barriers that protect our value system. Pastor Cutshaw, when he writes the book that this series is much uh, uh, um, uh, patterned after, he says that that we've got to learn to protect our values because when we don't protect our values... We lose our values. When we think that our values are strong enough that they can handle whatever we throw at them, we find out that we lose them. So how do we protect? The first thing that we got to do is we've got to build the right walls. We've got to build the walls of protection. We have got to step out and make some decisions that we're going to do some things. Not because it's sin issues, but because it protects our life. It protects our values. It protects who we are. We've got to understand that we're not strong enough to handle every attack that the enemy throws at us. And therefore, we need to build some of the right walls. We've got to build walls to protect our body. Rot row. We walk, we we live and we attend a Pentecostal church. But sadly, in a Pentecostal church, way too often. And your church is one of them. We come in and we preach the fire of hell. And we preach that, that you've got to live right and you've got to be holy. But we preach it from a fat, overweight preacher trying to tell people how to take care of their life. We've got to do something about our bodies. Not because we got to look good. Not because we got to look a certain way. But because our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Do you... I'm going to preach to myself a little bit. You guys can tag in if you want to. You know why I look the way I look? Because I don't care. I want that second piece of cake, piece of cake more than I want my body to look good. I want that second plate of dinner. I don't. I don't want to go exercise. I don't. I don't want to go walk. I. I, I don't want to go. I don't want to go jogging. I don't want to go run. I want to relax. You hear what's in that? My pride. The biggest medical deal I take I deal with right now is neuropathy in my feet. The truth of the matter is it's not gonna really matter what I do now, I'm gonna have neuropathy. 
But the, if the only reason why I want to get myself in shape and I want to get healthy in the way I live and the way I look and the, and the way my body is, if the only reason is so that I feel better, that's not the right reason. You see, I've got to come to a place that I get healthy because it's the right thing to do. It's got to come a place that I'm able to say no to things because they hurt my body. I have acid reflux. I eat certain foods and I'm going to puke half the night. But I have been known to say, oh, I know I'm going to get sick, but I want me a big old slab of ribs tonight. Oh, I know it's going to make my, my body is telling me I probably don't need that, but my taste bud buds, my selfishness, my pride says, I can deal with the sickness, give me the ribs. Now, if somebody said, did the same thing spiritually that I do physically, I would call them a sinner. You see, it's time we build some walls. I went to a 5K yesterday. Notice I said I went to it. I didn't run in it. I went to it. I didn't walk in it. I went to it. I was, I'm the president of the Ministerial Alliance, and they was putting it together, and so I went. And it messed with my head. Because the truth of the matter is, I probably could have walked it. When I walk my dog, I walk about two miles. It's just an extra mile. I could have done it. But when I walk my two miles, I'm gone every bit of an hour, 45 minutes to an hour. The first runner crossed the line in 21 minutes yesterday. The pastor at First Baptist, Rob Kirchin, Herchkin, crossed the line in about 27 minutes, 28 minutes. Pastor of Calvary Baptist, John Davis, he crossed the line 29 minutes to half an hour, three miles. And I know they're younger than I am. That's, that's what I, oh, they're younger. No, they're thinner. The two of them together wouldn't carry what I carry. But I came home and I began to talk to my wife. I got to do some stuff. Not only me, I, I, I've got to challenge some other people. I've got friends, I've got other people. I got to challenge them. Hey, we got to pay attention. We got to pay attention. We need to build some walls around our body. Well, Pastor, what kind of walls are you talking about? Well, maybe, let me just tell you some of the walls maybe I need to build. Maybe I need to not eat after 7 o'clock at night. That's hard because sometimes I don't even get dinner until 8 or 9. Maybe, maybe when I know that food's going to make me sick, maybe I shouldn't eat it. Mm. 
Maybe when my armor bearer brings me a monster, I should thank him and give it back to him. I know you do it out of love. You're going to kill me, though. <laughs> and trust me, he knows how much I like those monsters. I'm just glad he hadn't brought me a whole lot of orange cupcakes. He's a couple times, but... Uh, Oh, Lord, thank you. She said she'd bring me a salad next time. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. But maybe, maybe I need to eat some vegetables in my diet. Maybe I need to build a wall around my body and I need to say, listen, I'm going to drink water. Well, at least... A little bit. I don't. Only time I drink water right now is when I preach, and that's mostly because I figure most people would freak out if I had a Coke Zero or a Monster up there while I was preaching to you. Maybe Pastor Cutshaw recommends this in his book, and, and I do this to a big degree. You can ask Rick and some that have been to hospitals with me. Maybe I need to make a deal that you know I won't take the elevator as long as it's under five floors just so that I can work out my body a little bit. Maybe we need to build some walls. I don't know what your walls are. But I can tell you where to start. When you start thinking about what do I need to mark off, whatever jumps in your head and says, I'm not giving that up, that's the first wall you need to build. Because that's the pride saying you can handle that. You can handle that. No, you can't handle that. I'm going to tell you, I believe that if we truly begin to possess the victory over pride, we're going to see a change in our physical appearance. That sounds counterintuitive. Because we think if we see a change in our physical appearance, we're going to have more pride. But it's going to be good pride. See, there's good and bad of everything. I, I'm not picking. You guys, thankfully, you can look at me and know I ain't talking about nobody but me. I ain't picking on nobody in this room but me. I'm going to tell you something. If we keep saying we don't care about our body, then how in the world are we going to let God direct us to do things in our body? I promise you, you're going to be telling me never to wear a tie again. We've got to, we've got to build walls that protect our mind. Again, let me just come from where I'm at. The things we let into our mind becomes a part of who we are. The things we allow in our mind, things we watch, the things we listen to, the things we read, become a part of who we are and starts directing who we become. 
Maybe we need to start paying attention to what TV shows we watch. Me and Beth have just made some. We left here Wednesday night a week ago. We talked about some of this stuff that night. We left here and we said, we had already been talking about it, but we left here and we said, we drew a line. And I'm not even going to share where that line was, but we drew a line. And we said, if it's there in a show we watch, we don't watch that show anymore. And we knocked out four of the shows we had been watching that, that we, we looked for every week. We took another line and we said, okay, what about this? And we talked about it and we said, okay, there's a line here. We don't know if we can divide it as well as that line, but, but there, there, there's a crossing point. And if it crosses that spot, we don't watch it. Many years ago, now we did this, I don't even, it's been so long ago now, I don't even remember when we did it. But we made a rule probably when the kids were born, probably 20 years ago. We, made, we, made, we put a line in the movies we watch. And when I say this, some of you go, well, that's obvious, but think about what you've watched lately. We say anything R-rated above, we won't watch. Period. The only exception I've made to that was the passion of the Christ. Oh, well, that makes sense. Okay, but think about it. That means we don't watch war movies. We, 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 don't, we don't watch a lot of movies that everybody else has seen because now, even PG-13, we question the language, the vulgarity. I, 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 what are we putting in our heads? Maybe we need to change what we watch. Oh, oh, do I have to? hate it when he tells me to say stuff. Pastor, all I watch is TV preachers. Well, maybe you need to quit watching some of them. You watch that TV preacher and you go, well, I don't like this about him. Well, maybe you don't need to keep feeding yourself what he's saying if you don't agree with it. Just because they got a show on TBN or that... Or they come on every other network in the world. If you don't agree with what they're putting out there, quit watching them. Maybe we need to change the music we listen to. Oh, I get challenged with music. Everybody knows my music. 80s rock and roll. Good stuff. Big hair, loud guitars, and tight pants. That's, you know. I, I love 80s rock and roll. But to this day, every time I get into listening to it, it changes my attitude. It changes my attitude. Well, that's all right, Pastor. I don't listen to that ungodly rock and roll. I just listen to country music. <sighs> you need to cast that demon out. Come on now. Listen to the music. Pay attention. I, let me challenge you. You, you. you need to build some walls to protect your mind. I want you to listen to what you listen to this week. How many times does the music you listen to talk about drinking? 
drugs, carousing. How many times does the music you listen to talk about partying on Saturday night and being in church on Sunday morning? We say we don't want to be hypocritical, but we are entertained by people who says hypocritical is okay. The same people that sing about wanting to party all weekend and be in church on Sunday morning are the same ones that won't come to church because they say they're full of hypocrites. Well, I don't, I, 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 I don't, don't question me. Question God. Listen to how the enemy has invaded your mind. And all of a sudden, things seem acceptable. Maybe it's the blues. I like the blues. But I don't care what style of music it is. Listen to it. What is it teaching you? What is it talking about? How is it feeding you or not feeding you? What are the books you read? Ooh, I could point to somebody in this room. And I have a feeling by the look on their face that they've went backwards a little bit. Because I know somebody that reads all the time. That's not me. I know somebody reads all the time, and I finally challenged them. I said, for every book you read, read a book in the Bible. They read the whole Bible in, less, in a little less than a year. But that challenge is over. And I'm not going to ask them publicly. They probably need to get ready because I'll ask them privately. How many books they've read lately compared to how many Bible books they've read lately? But not only what are you reading, Bible or non-Bible, is what you're reading edifying your spirit. Are you reading romance novels? Oh, they're clean, are they? Or what is it that we're allowing to invade our mind, our music, our TV, our movies, our books? You want to control how those crazy, sinful thoughts get in your head? Quit letting them in your entertainment. Build some walls. Build some barriers. I'm not telling you to go turn the TV off unless God tells you to. If God tells you, oh, man, I got to go there for you. You sort of did. Well, I don't watch much TV. And I don't read many books. Of course, I spend 14 hours a day on Facebook. Is it edifying? I'm going to tell you, half of Facebook is not edifying. I'm so glad the election is over between the political ads on TV and all my friends' political posts. I'm going to tell you, I'm, far, I'm as far right as anybody I know, probably further than most. But I figured out a long time ago, 
sometimes to open my mouth just proves my stupidity. And something about Facebook has allowed everybody in the world to decide that their opinion is worth publishing for the whole world to see. And then we read their stupidity and wonder how stupidity gets on us. Maybe we need to build some walls. I got to go. I got to go. Last point. We need to build some walls that protect our spirit. We need to build some walls that protect our spirit. What helps our spirit? Worship. Maybe we build a wall that says we're going to start every day with some worship. We're going to start with a word of prayer. We're going to read our Bible. We've got a a prayer closet. We're going to use it. They that dwell in the secret place of the Most High God. We've got to build some walls. Not that we think our spirit. See, our problem is we think our spirit can withstand. Some of you think that if you come to church on Sunday morning, your spirit gets enough of a jolt from worship and preaching that you can make it all week. That's why you walk in here every week looking like you've been beat up with a crowbar. Spiritually. You know why you don't worship? Because it takes the whole worship service just to beat off all the beating you've had all week because you haven't protected your spirit. Maybe we need to read our Bibles. Maybe we need to pray. Maybe we need to worship a little bit. Maybe we need to quit listening. My youngest people are right over here. Y'all's generations are as pluralistic as any other generation before you in American history. And what that means is accepts more different religions and different faiths and different beliefs than any other generation before you. And if you're not careful, you're going to listen to every other religious thought And you're going to wind up living your life confused because you can't figure out the difference between God and Allah and Buddha and all these because you're going to find the positives in all of them. That's what you're taught. You're taught, especially this generation, you're taught that there's positives in all of them. And if you'll find the positives, we'll all be better people. I'm going to tell you something. You're polluting your spirit. You need to protect your spirit. Parents, grandparents, you need to be telling your kids there is one way to heaven. Oprah Winfrey has, com- has convinced a whole generations of Americans that God is great and there's many ways to get to God and however you want to get there is fine. It is a lie from the pit of hell. And we've got to protect our spirit. We've got to, it goes back to what I was saying, some preachers, we need to turn them off. We need to protect our spirit. 
We need to build some walls. We need to set some standards, some things that we're going to do. We're going to pray every day. We're going we're to worship every day. We're going to read the Bible every day. We're going to pray over our kids, our grandkids. Call them by name. We're going to have the guts to tell our kids and grandkids that we love them with all of our heart, but what they're doing is wrong. I happened to be in the room when a grandparent went to a kid, a grandkid, and said, I love you, but you know good and well you need to be doing something different. I was never so proud in my whole life to be a pastor, to see somebody that said, listen, I love you with all my heart, but you got to do right. We cannot love our kids and grandkids and tell them what they're doing is okay if it's sinful. We've got to be men and women enough of God to protect our spirit and protect their spirit. I'm not saying be hateful. I'm not saying, dear Lord, have mercy. You want to get me riled up, come and tell me how that you disowned your sinner child. And I'm going to tell you, God may disown you. You can't disown that child because they walk in sin. You love them all the more. You don't condone it, but you love them. They're your kids. I told my boys all their life, I want you to serve God with all of your heart, but you will always be my boys. It doesn't matter. My dad told me the same thing. Probably one of the biggest reasons I was able to stay in church is my dad instilled in me from the time I was little that my, his love for me was not conditioned on whether or not I followed God. You know what it did? It gave me a picture of what God is. Because God loves you whether you obey him or not. But we've got to be willing to say that's wrong. In love, that's wrong. We've got to build walls to protect our spirit. If it's going to hurt our spirit, don't do it. If it's going to hurt our mind, don't do it. If it's going to hurt our body, don't do it. When we begin to build walls that protect our values, we defeat the pride that says, I can do it on my own. We defeat the pride that says, I'm good enough. We defeat the pride that says I've got to earn my, my keep. When you build walls to protect what God has given you, you don't walk around thinking I've got to do more to get what God has. Because it's not about you. It's about protecting what God's given. Will it change the way you live? Yep. Dear Lord, if you heard, if you listen to this sermon today, it's going to change the way you eat. It's going to change your entertainment. It's going to change the way you spend your day. It'll change everything about you. And you know what that change is going to look like? It's going to look like the promise. It's going to look like the victory that we're looking for. Because God's going to give us peace. Because we're going to walk in that strength. Let's bow our heads together. Dear Heavenly Father, 
Lord, I come to you right now, and I thank you for your power. Lord, I ask you to give us victory over our pride. Lord, let us quit thinking we can stand on our own. And instead, let us understand that we've got to have you. Lord, let us protect the things in our life. Let us protect the areas of our heart, the areas of our life. Lord, let us protect our heart, protect our body, protect our mind, protect our our spirit. Let us be examples of your faith, walking by your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for being here. Be back tonight. Tonight we're going to be talking about possessing the victory over the world. You need to be here. You need to be here because tonight we're going to talk about not turning back. And we're going to talk about not being afraid of what God has. Not being afraid that the world can overpower us. I want you to be here tonight at 6 o'clock. Shake hands, be friendly, tell somebody you love them. Everybody, God loves them, you're dismissed.